So today is uh, Sunday, um, uh, Parshas Vayichi, Parshas Vayigash, excuse me. I'm in Eretz Yisrael, still Baruch Hashem. I'm coming back to America for one week. I'll plan on being in Chicago, Bez Hashem, a week from tonight. And then I will be spending a week in in um, in Chicago, in Shul. I'll be gone for one, one and a half days during the... Um, H3 conference. Otherwise, I plan to be in Shul the whole time. I would like to mention, I don't know who's on the phone. I can't see, obviously. But um, Leil Shabbos, there was a um, a missile with a boom in Yerushalayim. I'm sure you all know about that. We were in the middle of davening Kabbalah Shabbos. Um, Baruch Hashem, uh, the Iron Dome took care of it, and there was not nothing else after that. However, unfortunately, um, soldiers have been killed. The number right now, I think, is 118. And then there was, uh, of course, the tragedy of uh, of the hostages who got out and were um, uh, killed by friendly fire. So we are continuing to daven for the uh, for the matzav, and um, it's uh, you know it's um, it's obviously it's a it's a, it's a real matzav and. Um, and we're going to try to continue to do our best to, to be mishtatif as much as we can and helping the people here in, in any way that we can give them chizukim. Okay, um, so with that, as the, uh, <laughs> as the Hagdama, the introduction, I'd like to say the following. I was very nervous, um, one of the things that made me nervous about coming to Israel was that I, I feel that being in Chicago and being in the shul, I'm zeicher to a, a lot of siyata deshmaya, as I've said many times. And I did not know if I would not have the the obligation, which I enjoy immensely, to speak, whether or not I would get siyata deshmaya. And I've been zeicher to siyata deshmaya. I, I wrote in one of my notebooks that maybe it's uh, dare I say that I've been zeicher to siyata deshmaya because of Yudar Machima, and maybe also because I'm still Bar Hashem, still connected and saying shurim. So I, I'd like to begin. I, I'd like to call this a um, a final thought about Hanukkah, but it's really connected to our lives in general. I want to ask a question which I've never asked before. The Yavanim prohibited Klal Yisrael from doing a number of things. Shabbos, Rishchidesh, Mila, Mikvah, to write on the Karen Hashor, that ain't long, okay, look, look, Mimal. I have a very simple question, which I never thought of before. Why did they not just do what the communists did and say, finished? All mitzvahs are usher. Why did they pick a few Okay, and there's a lot of Torah, why they pick the ones they pick, but why they why they just say that all mitzvahs are also? Like the Russians, the communists, Yamach Shimon Bezichram, why did they pick a few? I, I'd like to see if we could answer this question. Is Mrs. Goldman on the uh, on the phone? Mrs. Goldman from Eretz Yisrael. Hineni, Hineni. Okay, Hineni. So I'd like to say to Mrs. Goldman, because she was here this past Tuesday night, uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful masiba with about 20 Yeshua yeah. sure members. It was beautiful. <coughs> I'd like to um, say 
something about what I said on Tuesday night, but then I'd like to add a significant part to it. So l- let's begin. Um, there's a Gemara Mabakam on Daf Lamed Chesamad Aleph, with those people learning Daf Yoimi, where the Gemara discusses a very, very um, interesting story. Interesting is the right word. The Roman sent the Roman sent scholars to Eretz Yisrael, and they learned the Torah three times. Incredible. They learned the Torah three times, the entire Torah. And the Lushen of the Gemara is that it's all Emes. It's all Emes. The Torah is all Emes. That's what they said. The Torah is all Emes. Amazing. Amazing. Except for one thing. The Lushen that they said was, Lamdunu Torah Koru Vishonu Vishilshu. We learned it once, twice, three times. And when we left, they said, we went through the whole Torah, the Emesu. Chutzmi Dabazek, except for one thing that's not Emes, and they quoted a Shailah Locha, which is they said, claimed was not Emes. Now, what does that mean? The entire Torah is Emes. You went through the entire Torah three times, it's all Emes, and you have a question on one Halacha, and that Halacha is not Emes. What does that mean? Is the Torah Emes or is it not Emes? And if something doesn't make sense to you, therefore it's not Emes? That means in my opinion, that anything that you said is MS, it doesn't mean it's MS. It means, as far as I'm concerned, it makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense to me, then it's not MS. That is such a scary concept. Such a scary concept. And I want to share with you something that I've, um, I've thought of over the years, Many many times, and I want to uh, I want to share with you right now as well. Um, if a person says, "I am going to keep six hundred and twelve mitzvahs," but I cannot keep the mitzvah of uh, of arias promiscuity, I, it's you know, here's the here's here's what I want to say. I know things are usher. It's just too difficult for me. It's too difficult for me. That is completely different than a person says, I keep 612 mitzvahs. I put on tefillin every day with Rabbeinu Tam. And I keep Shabbos. But shotness makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't want to say the words. It's going to sound blasphemous. And therefore, I don't keep it because it makes no sense. That person is not considered as though he's keeping 612 and struggling with 613, that person is a denier of God. Oh, denier of God? What are you talking about? He's, he's drinking Chol Yisrael, he's eating glat, he's doing everything that there is to do. And he's keeping Shabbos, and he's putting on tefillin, and she's benching licht, and she's going to the mikvah, and all the things that have to be done. You tell me because they don't keep Shabbos, they're not keeping the Torah? Yes. Because the person can say something doesn't make sense to me, that means the only reason you're keeping anything is because it makes sense to you. Not because God said to do it. Not because God said to do it. That's what the Romans, the people who Chazal say inherited the Greek philosophy, that's what they said. We studied the entire Torah three times, and it all makes sense, and one thing doesn't make sense. One thing doesn't make sense. Now, I'd like to say something else as a result of this, which is also hashgacha, 
that I was uh, I was zeichet to find this. Zeichet to find this. There's another Gemara Baba Kama. The Gemara Baba Kama speaks about a Tana named Shimon HaMsuni. And Shimon HaMsuni darshan every S in the Torah. Every time there's an S in the Torah, we don't really translate S. Every time he darshan S in the Torah, he explained what it meant. Until he came to the words, Es Hashem Elokech Atira, he, he, he stopped. The Gemara says, Pirish. He stopped explaining Esen. He said, I don't know what to say about Es Hashem Elokech Atira. What could it mean to be Marbet HaMechachem? How could you equate anybody with God? And therefore he, he was Pirish and stopped explaining Esen. After he explained every single one. Kol Esen Shabbatayim. So his Talmudim said to him, Rebbe, Rebbe, what about all the Esen that you already explained. Said the Rashta, what, what are you going to do to all those? So he said an unbelievable answer. Just like I was Makabal Schar, Allah Jerisha. Just as I was Makabal Schar for dashing every S in the Torah. So too I'll be Makabal Schar, Allah Prisha. By deciding not to explain them anymore. I'm putting the whole thing away. Everything I wrote, my life's work, I'm putting it away. I'm putting it away. What's up, shot? This is Mamish Lehepach from the Romans. Vahavdul Elafafi of those. Shimon Amsuni said the following I know the Tyrus Emmas. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do with this last S. Therefore, I'm putting everything away. Not because the Tyra doesn't make sense, Chasvisholo. Because I can't figure out what to do with the last S. It means that if I can't explain it, it's a chesorin in me, but there's no chesorin in the Torah. Just the opposite of what they said. Torah is kuloi emes. Torah is given by a Kaddish Baruch Hu who is kuloi emes. The signet, the chesim of a Kaddish Baruch Hu is emes. And with this, we can perhaps understand two more things. One is a Rashi in Parshas told us. Where Rashi says, we've mentioned this Rashi a number of times. Rashi says in Parshas told us an unbelievable thing. That Kodesh Baruch said, when Shlomo was going to build the base of Mikdosh, listen to these words. And he said like this. Yisrael, a Jew who believes in God, who matzik all of a sudden and can understand when something doesn't go his way, lo yikra lechataga will not be upset if when he davens he's not answered. But if a guy comes to the base of Mikdash to daven, which he's allowed to do, and he is not a true believer, complete believer, whatever the Nochri asks for, give him. So he should not call a tagger, meaning he should not say something blasphemous because he can't understand asking for something and not receiving it. The Goyim lack this concept. This concept that if something doesn't go my way, it means there's something wrong with the bore. The Gemara says in Psachim, if somebody gives tzedakah, manasheh, eyeh, beni, my son should live, or she'eyeh ben oilam haba, if a person gives tzedakah so he should be in oilam haba, he's called a tzadigom. It's a tzadigom, he's giving tzedakah, even though it's not for the most altruistic reasons, it's okay. 
So Tosis asks Akasha right there in Sochem and Avchesem and Beis. It's a stira. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, Shabbos is a rabbi. Two Gabbadim Shabbos is a rabbi. Benasa Kabbal Pras. All Shabbos is a rabbi. Shalom Benasa. You can't work for Kodesh Baruch only because I'm going to get schah for it. You have to work for Kodesh Baruch even if you're not going to get schah. So how can a person say I'm giving tzedakah? I should be a ben olam haba, and that's called good tzedakah. The Tosis says it means the following: I'm giving tzedakah, I should be a ben olam haba. If I don't get what I want, I will not have charata my tzedakah. That's okay. But if I'm giving it under tonight, that if I don't get what I want, I'm going to have charata my tzedakah. That's not okay. That's not the way a Jew behaves. That's not being a Jew. Last Shabbos afternoon, this is the part I meant to Mrs. Goldman before. It just, it, I, I'm just so enamored by the Hashgachim, whatever happened. Last Shabbos afternoon, Shabbos Hanukkah, not yesterday, a week ago, I went to Ger, which is very close to where we're staying here in Yerushalayim, to Dab Mincha, Shabbos afternoon. There were 25,000 people at the Minyan. 25,000 people at the minion. In one room. The room is gigantic. Super gigantic. 25,000 people. So as I was walking in, with an incredible amount of people, obviously, I asked one person, he asked me, I said, I'm from Chicago. Chicago! You know Shai Abramowitz? So I said, of course I know Shai Abramowitz. Shai Abramowitz was the Gerich Hasid in Chicago. And just as he says the name Shai Abramowitz, he looks behind him, and right there is Shai Abramowitz. 25,000 people. I'm walking in the room, and there's Shai Abramowitz. It was unbelievable. So we got to shul. Every seat was taken in the room. Everybody was learning. The cold tire was magnificent. And Shai was able to find those two seats. So we sit down. We took out the first safe on the table. We didn't, couldn't walk around to find the safe. It was a Mishtabura. We took out a Mishtabura. We opened up the Simon Aleph. We started learning Simonov Mishabura. It talks about the halachas of Gissing Negolas. Shai Abramowitz tells me, I got to tell you a story. When I was a Rebbe, he was a Rebbe for maybe 40 years in Chicago. He started off, I'm sorry I can't see everybody there. I don't know who's there long enough to remember this, but there was a YTT, used to be called Beis Yaakov. And why, that was even when we came to Chicago. When we came to Chicago, already YTT was no longer, but YTT was in the Mishta Gemara building. Shai Abramowitz said, that there were some parents who came to the school for geographic reasons. It was close. They came to the school, even though they may not have held of everything that he taught. And he rather taught his, his students that it's a nice thing. He said, it, you're not, it's not obligatory. It's a nice thing to keep Negevasa by the bed. So one student, hook, line, and sinker, he took Negevasa by the bed. The mother called up, and she said, what are you doing to my son? Shaya said, I didn't tell me he has to, and she said, I just got new carpeting. And Bekitza, this kid was hook, line, and sinker. He didn't give up. He, he, he dealt with his mother, and at the end of the day, he, he kept washing Negevasa by his bed. Unfortunately, after elementary school, wherever he went, by the time he finished high school, he was no longer from. He wasn't from. He's in college. And one day, his roommate says to him, what are you doing with that bowl and that cup of water by your bed on the floor? What are you doing with that? He said, my fourth grade teacher told me that it's a good thing for Jews when they get up in the morning, before they get out of bed, they should wash their hands. 
So he says to this, the roommate says to the kid who went to Beis Yaakov, to Arsi, he says, I understand you. You don't keep anything from the Jewish religion. And you keep this? Fast forward 10 years, maybe 12 years, Shai Abramowitz is still a Rebbe in YTT, PTA. And lo and behold, this Talmud walks in. Shai didn't realize that he had a kid with the same name. I don't know what the name was at the Talmud. It was a common name. He didn't give, he didn't think Bechlal that this kid was the son of, of his original Talmud. His original Talmud walks in and says, Rebbe, you're teaching my son. Shai Abramowitz says to him, You? We know what happened to you. What are you doing here? He says to him, Rebbe, you saved my life. You taught me to wash Negelvasa next to my bed. I kept it, even though I gave up on everything else. I kept it. And when my roommate said to me, what are you doing? It clicked, and I slowly came back. So I want to tell you, Rabbi, you say, this is just the opposite. If a person can hold on to one mitzvah and knows that this is a mitzvah because God said to, and even if they can't keep up with everything else, they gave up on 612, they only have one. But if they hold on to one, that can reignite the fire and it can come back. That was the first story he told me. The second story he told me, which is even more unbelievable, hang on to your hats over here for this story. The Weitznerov, Again, I'm sorry, I don't know who's on the phone. I can't see. The Vites the Rub in Chicago. His son, I don't know, just publicized this story. That's what Shaya told me. Or maybe republicized it. In Auschwitz, Rachman al-Aslan, that's where the Vites the Rub was in Auschwitz. Matei Shabbos, he would try to get a match, try to get two sticks, and make a little fire, and take a glass of whatever liquid they gave them, and make Avdola. And there was a Nazi, a guard, who caught them. Now this guard, for some reason, didn't beat the Jews, but he screamed at them and threatened them and all types of things. He caught them with the fire. He said to me, trying to burn down the camp, sabotage, I'm going to kill all of you. So the Vites of explained to him, because they felt he had a little bit of a heart, he explained to him that, listen, it's a religious thing, and we light this fire every Saturday night, and... Whatever he told him. So this guard said, listen, I don't know if I trust you people. Any Saturday night that you light this thing, you cannot light it until I'm there. Otherwise, maybe you're going to burn down the whole place. I'm going to get killed for that. I'm going to let you get away with this much, but you cannot light it unless I'm there. One more time, the guard didn't show up. It was getting very, very late, and they didn't know what to do, and they decided finally they're going to make Abdullah, and the guard it's obvious he's not coming tonight. They made Abdullah. As soon as they finished making Abdullah, the guard walked in. He smelled the fire and he started screaming at them. I told you not to do it without me. It's sabotage. I'm going to kill all of you. With it. So the, the Weitzner said, you know what? We'll do it again. We'll do it again. And he lit a fire and he said, Burmesh with the bracha again. And he, and he, uh, and he made Abdullah again. Years later, he's in Chicago, and the Vites of was flying to South America for some reason. So, you know, it was a long trip in those days. They stopped in different places along the way. Every time they stopped, a group of Hasidim came, the Vites of was coming, 
and he would speak. And one of the stops he spoke, and he said, oh, it is my son. And they, and they declared whether it was a brachal of atola, not a brachal of atola. And they decided it's a brachal of atola. Going to make the bracha a second time. But it's a kind of and for a kind of you will to make a brachal of atola. Comes up to the front, the Vaitzarov is speaking, a yid. And he says to the Vaitzarov, it was not, Rebbe, Rebbe, it was not a brachal of atola. What do you mean it's not a brachal of atola? He says, I was the guard. This yid, this chasidish yid, is telling the Vaitznarov that I disguised myself as a guard. That's how I lived through the Holocaust. I decided I disguised myself as a Nazi guard. And I came every month to Shabbos here, Abdullah. In the depths of Gehenim, a person kept a mitzvah. <laughs> Keeping that mitzvah gave him the opportunity. To be able to keep going. I'd like to say the following, Rabbi Say. I never said this before. I'd like to say the following. The Yavonim didn't have to tell Klal Yeshua they can't keep all the mitzvahs. Here's a few mitzvahs. They're very important mitzvahs. Shabbos, Shredish, Mila. Every, every mitzvah is important. But these mitzvahs, what they wanted to do was they wanted to reduce Klal Yeshua from 613 to 612, to 611, to 610, to 609, and just say that this mitzvah makes no more sense to us. We're not going to stop keeping it because we're oppressed. We're going to stop keeping it because we're going to embrace the Greek culture. When that happens, all is lost. All is lost. That's what the Yuvonim are trying to do. We don't have to get you at 613. By Assering and prohibiting every mitzvah? No. We don't have to do that. We'll just get you to miss a few mitzvahs, and that will be the end of the story. On the farm, in the shul, there was a bima. On each side of the bima, there were three steps. And when I was a kid, and in the farm, on the farm until I was 19 when my great-grandfather died and they closed the shul. On the, on the floor, right next to the steps, going up to the bima, there was a ceramic spittoon. They tell me there was one on the other side also, but by the time I came, it wasn't there. It was a spittoon. People used to utilize a spittoon before they got in the leah, or maybe they utilized the spittoon stomach below davening with spittoon. One of the first things that the reform movement did was they took out the spittoons from the shoals. All shoals had spittoons. They took them out. They took them out. They said it wasn't by cover dig for a shul, which is against the halacha. The halacha, you're really allowed to use a spittoon in a shul. Nowadays, it's not no gear because nobody, nobody um, would use spittoon because nobody really you know I hate to use the word spits but nobody uses the word spits in public anymore it's not done not by Jews not by non-Jews but in those days it was done it was a normative act when the reform movement took out the spittoon they changed the shul he said this minik which is a halacha which says you're allowed to spit in the shul doesn't make any sense and with that the whole House came cum- came crumbling down, tumbling down. Whole house, whole house.
That's what they did. I'd like to add, conclude maybe with this. Shimon Amsuni, who we mentioned earlier, explained every yes in the Torah. When he got to the yes, Hashem Al-Kechotira, he stopped. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He didn't know what to do. And therefore, he gave up on everything he did. Like he locked away all this ksofen. He didn't publish his pshatim. And he was makabal. He was makabal. Just like I did get, I did receive reward for teaching. Now, now I'll receive reward for no, no longer teaching. Until Rabbi Akiva came along, says the Gemara, and he taught him what the final S means. I'm wondering. Who is Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Akiva is the Jew who expressed and created the statement of whatever Hashem does, he does for good. He's the one who made up that statement. He's the one who died with that statement as we're being tortured by the Romans. I'm wondering. It's not a coincidence. Rabbi Akiva is the person who came forth and told Shimon Amsuni. You want to put everything away. I'm going to tell you what it means. But I'm telling you that what you did was gavaldic. Because you were willing to say, I am not going to go right there because I can't under- explain it. But I'm not going to say that Yiddishkeit is wrong. Yiddishkeit is right. It's my chesoran. It's I'm the one who's lacking. Right now, Rabbi say the world, the world, I'm not saying it's the culmination of Greek Chachma, but I am saying, as we have spoken somewhat unabashedly for the last number of years, this lifestyle, which the Supreme Court said is okay, this change in the human body, which the culture in which we live in says it's okay, this type of dress, this type of pronoun, all the things that are going on, and even if somebody wants to say, I can't find exactly which halacha are you violating, it's the same halacha of taking, taking out the spittoon. If you change the model and you say, one mitzvah, one minig, one derabonon is wrong and it makes no sense, you're on a slippery slope which is going to take you all the way down. That's why the Yavonim said, we are not, I repeat, we are not, says the Yavonim, we are not going to be geyser on everything, because we don't have to. Just a few mitzvahs will knock you right out of the box. And they're right. With a few mitzvahs, they'll knock us right out of the box. That's what happened here. So I'm saying to all of us, Rabbi say that Hanukkah is over, and um, you know, maybe better than I do, that the universities and the college campuses and the professors and some of the heads of state are kind of embracing the, the um, as we said last week, the, the Yovan theology, which comes out of Harvard and U of Penn and MIT, as they expressed in Congress, well, they changed, they didn't change. All we need, which is why I lost a number of my first cousins, 
even though I have a first cousin who wrote a safer, we were 22 of us out of 22 kids. We're now adults. We, I lost my cousins because their spiritual leaders told them this you don't have to keep and that you don't have to keep. I lost my cousins. The cousins who wrote Sforum and the cousins who were from a great, and then I have other cousins who were married to Goyim. And that's the Matthias. There's no such thing as saying, okay, keep 612. It's fine. Keep 612 and a half. No such thing. It doesn't work. And the Greeks knew that. And that's why the Greeks did not have to say, we have to assert all the mitzvahs. Go, oh, each old. You want each old? Each old. You want to wear tzitzis? You can wear tzitzis. You want to even keep the Seder? You can keep the Seder. But as long as I knock one mitzvah out of the box and you are now 612 instead of 613, I got you. I got you. And that's what the Greeks wanted. So we should all be Zeichar Rabbi saying each and every one of us again, I'm so sorry. Maybe you can, maybe people could announce afterwards before they hang up who's on the phone so I can just uh, feel your presence and hopefully I'll be able to get this um, um, internet thing up and running again. So right now I'm thanking everybody. It's past Hanukkah. We're going into the winter. Everybody, Shev Hatzlocha, Rabba Adma Oid. Please tell me if you don't mind who's on the phone. This is Blackness.